Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, the State Health Department on Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, the fall color outlook from the Department of Natural Resources, and part two of our interview with Chip Scoggins about his new book with sports writing legend Patrick Royce. But first, the election is only about a month and a half away, and that means we're starting to be inundated with polls, polls, and more polls. Scott, a Minnesota poll that came out last weekend showed Governor Tim Walz leading Republican challenger Scott Jensen by seven points, a lot less than the 18-point spread in the poll before that. But some analysts took such a big gap with a grain of salt, saying the real spread is significantly less. Well, another poll released early this week from Trafalgar Group, commissioned by conservative Alpha News, put Jensen only three points behind Walls, and that is within that survey's margin of error. Carleton College political analyst Stephen Shear says based on polls so far, with more coming in shortly. Governor Waltz has a single-digit lead over GOP challenger Scott Jensen. Now, how big a single-digit lead is what the pollsters disagree about. One race that is definitely neck-and-neck is Minnesota Attorney General, where last weekend's poll showed incumbent Democrat Keith Ellison basically in a dead heat with Republican challenger Jim Schultz. And this week's Trafalgar Alpha News survey showed Schultz with a three and a half point lead over Ellison. I think the best chance the Republicans have of winning a statewide office this year probably lies with the attorney general's race. Says Professor Shear, Republicans say the state's rising crime rate makes Ellison vulnerable as he tries to divert attention to the abortion issue. Ellison said earlier the only poll that matters is on November 8th. Also this week, what federal prosecutors in Minnesota call the largest case of pandemic fraud in the U.S. reverberated through Minnesota's hyper-energized political scene. These 47 defendants engaged in a brazen scheme of staggering proportions. U.S. Attorney for Minnesota Andrew Luger as indictments were handed down in what prosecutors allege was a $250 million fraud scheme targeting the federally funded Feeding Our Future child nutrition program during the pandemic. They used this money that was supposed to be used for feeding children to buy houses in Minnesota, resort property and, and real estate in Kenya and Turkey, luxury cars, commercial property, jewelry, and much more. House Republican Minority Leader Kurt Dowd said Governor Tim Walz and the State Education Department did not fight hard enough to cut off payments to the Feeding Our Future program. State officials did suspend payments, but the program sued, alleging discrimination against communities of color, and a judge ordered the payments be resumed. Dowd says the Walz administration, at the very least, should have appealed that ruling. It's one thing if you want to say, well, we caught it as quickly as we could, and then we stopped it as quickly as we could. You know, they paid $200 million out after they knew the program was fraudulent. If I would have known that the program was fraudulent, I would have stopped the payments, period. In defiance of a judge's order? Of course. State Education Department officials say they immediately reported the suspicious activity to federal authorities, including the FBI, quote, until we were able to find someone who would take the troubling spending as seriously as we were. But House Republican leader Dowd says despite that, $250 million total got paid out to a fraudulent program. $200 million of it got paid out after they knew it was fraudulent. 
Officials at the State Pollution Control Agency this week said the wrong words were used after they deleted a tweet that said Minnesotans should try Meatless Mondays because meat production contributes to greenhouse gas emissions. Some House Republican lawmakers said it shows Governor Tim Walz's agency and Democrats are out of touch with the fact that ag production accounts for under 5% of greenhouse gases. Starbuck Representative Paul Anderson. I really and truly hope that uh, this didn't reflect uh, the attitude and true beliefs of uh, the people at, at the agency, MPCA, Um, I think they're going to have to uh, make their actions speak louder than their words going forward. Anderson says it's surprising that an agency in an agriculture powerhouse state like Minnesota would come out with such a message on social media. There's a bit of a uh, mistrust, should we call it, in in, uh, the real real attitudes of uh, the agencies and how they want to work with agriculture. Governor Tim Walz said the tweet, which at that point had been deleted, does not reflect his administration's values and is not a policy he ever intends to put forward. But all of these political goings-on in Minnesota paled by comparison to events this week across the Atlantic. Minnesotans were among what one estimate put at 4 billion people around the globe who watched as Queen Elizabeth II was laid to rest. come together to commit into the hands of God the soul of his servant Queen Elizabeth. An estimated one million people lined the streets after funeral services at Westminster Abbey in central London as the procession bore the Queen on her final journey to Windsor Castle and the committal service in St. George's Chapel. We pray that God will give us grace to honor her memory by following her example. Catherine Jordan with the British American Project in Minnesota said, To have half of the world honor you or be interested in your passing is extraordinary. Certainly she ranks up there with the most well-known, most beloved uh, figures in the history of the planet. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Who are we? We're your neighbors, co-workers, and friends. That's right, we live and work in the community too. Because of that, we're committed to making sure our electric services stay reliable, affordable, and safe. Throughout the state, Minnesota electric co-ops work independent of each other, but with the same goal, provide power to Minnesota. You have so many other things to worry about. Your electricity isn't one of them. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives, bringing power to the people of Minnesota. Considering an online pharmacy? Explore BeSafeRx to find useful information and resources to help you purchase medicines safely online. A safe online pharmacy requires a doctor's prescription, has an address in the United States, has a licensed pharmacist, and is licensed by a state pharmacy board. It's best to stay away from online pharmacies that don't meet these criteria. Discover more helpful tips and resources at BeSafeRx. Go to fda.gov slash BeSafeRx. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. September is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. I recently spoke with the State Health Department's Tanya Carter about this important issue. Yes, so we encourage everyone to participate in sharing messages and resources to prevent suicide for Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. 
We recognize that September um, is a time to raise awareness on this often challenging topic, but together we can lift our voices to share hope and vital information across Minnesota. And I know that there is um, a, a new, relatively new hotline uh, that folks can call f with regard to suicide prevention. Tell me about the hotline and uh, what people need to know about 988. Yes. If you or someone you know is in a mental health crisis or at risk for suicide, call or text 988. There's also a chat feature to the 988, which is you can chat online through a virtual platform, 988lifeline.org, and you will be connected to a call specialist who's able to help and connect you to resources and or talk through the situation in which you um, are experiencing at that time. Tanya, can you give our listeners a, a, an idea of roughly how many uh, Minnesotans are impacted by suicide each year? So. You know, really, currently, there are um, more than 10,000 individuals a year with um, suicidal injuries that are treated by healthcare providers. So those are just those individuals that are coming and seeking care. But the impact is far um, beyond that of people having thoughts, but also with individuals um, who are losing loved ones to suicide are also impacted. And that that number is representative of just Minnesota, is that correct? Because that's that's uh, surprising. That is um, just related to Minnesota. You're correct. And I know that uh, from talking to various uh, mental health and other professionals, that you know we're coming out of what was the height of the pandemic over the course of the last two years, that we were seeing a pretty big increase in depression and suicide. What kind of an impact are we seeing as we get to sort of the, the, the backside of all of that? So as you mentioned, we have seen um, that increase in, you know, suicidal ideation and or suicide attempts um, slash death by suicide. Um, as it relates to coming out of the pandemic, we're still continuing to look at what um, and if the pandemic has any uh, has had any effects on um, death by suicide, and for, I imagine that we'll be looking for a very we'll be looking at this um, and monitoring it for a long time to come as well. And for our listeners out there that are either family members or friends or maybe individuals who also are having uh, thoughts of suicide or depression. Uh, in addition to calling that 988 number, what is your recommendation for folks who are struggling? Reach, reach out. You never know when you might put um, a smile on somebody's day. You don't know what somebody is going through. Um, be attentive and really look, look, look at your neighbor. Check in on your loved one um, every now and then. If you haven't heard from them for you know a few days and you typically hear from them daily, check in just to make sure that they're doing okay. Um, good information, Tanya. Is there anything else that you wanted to add or that you want listeners to be aware of this Suicide Awareness Prevention Month? I would just really encourage you to, um, again, lift up your voices to share hope and vital information about um, suicide prevention. And then if you or someone you know is in that mental health crisis or at risk for suicide, call or text 988. And just one more thing with regard to school-age kids. I know that mental health has been a real uh, emphasis in schools, especially in light of um, uh, 
distance learning and things like that from the impact of uh, the pandemic. Can parents rest assured that there are resources and help for their kids in school when it comes to uh, mental health and suicide prevention resources? So with regards to schools, um, the 988 Lifeline is available to all Minnesotan residents. Currently in Minnesota, we have Cognito at-risk mental health training for school staff that's available at no cost, and it's an online virtual training that provides role-playing simulations to help educators and staff really gain that understanding of mental health and recognize any signs of um, symptoms and or of distress. We also have our bus drivers, our cooks, um, any administrative staff can also take that Cognito at-risk mental health training. And then for the kiddos within this school, there is a, a youth component called Cognito's Friend to Friend. This is student curriculum. It's for those um, ages or grades, I should say, 6 to 12. And that teaches our students about emotional and mental wellness um, and how to support classmates that may be um, struggling. And so the Cognito at risk for um, school staff and Cognito Friend to Friend are very complementary of each other. Thank you to my guest, the State Health Department's Tanya Carter. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Peak fall color season in northern Minnesota typically occurs in mid-September and around mid-October in southern Minnesota. Tasha Radel this week visits with Amy Barrett with Explore Minnesota about the color hotspots settling in across the state. Visiting with Amy Barrett with Explore Minnesota and today we're going to be talking about the Minnesota fall colors. Obviously, fall continues to settle in, and uh, some parts of the state are really beginning to see those leaves changing. Amy, I know you recently visited with someone from the Minnesota DNR's Forestry Division. Could you tell me a little bit about an update on what they're seeing and hearing? That's right. The DNR is saying that while there have been occasional color changes already in some stressed trees, that Overall color this year should be stunning, as we've come to expect when there are sunny days and chilly but not freezing nights as we get more into the season, and that's exactly what we've been having lately. And, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, moving forward and, and the, col the color season, let's talk a little bit about uh, the fall color finder. I know people can really monitor week to week what's happening across the state. That's right. <clears throat> state park staff from around the state, update the fall color finder every Thursday, and they indicate how many of the leaves, what percentage of the leaves have turned to peak fall color. What we're seeing on the fall color finder right now is that leaves are changing most quickly in the three corners of the state, the northeast, northwest, and southwest corners. And so that's where people will find most color right now. You can actually go on the fall color finder and see photos that people who have visited those areas of the state and other areas have taken so you know what exactly the conditions look like in real time. And Amy, we tend to really focus on the fall leaves turning, but I know that um, this is prime time for, for different wildflowers <laughs> and grasses too. Can you talk a little bit about that? The fall color finder, in addition to showing 
how many of the leaves have been changing color will also show what percentage of the wildflowers and the grasses have changed. And they all change at different rates, as do different species of trees. So essentially, there's always something to see. Well, right now, the place where the leaves are furthest along are in three of the four corners of the state. So in the northwest corner, that's around Lake Bronson, Hayes Lake, and Old Mill State Parks. In the northeast, Cascade River State Park would be one to watch. And in the southern Minnesota area, Flandreau State Park around New Ulm and Blue Mounds State Park in the very far southwest corner are showing the most color. And, you know, it's also a fun time. Uh, there's there's plenty of events being scheduled around the, the fall colors. Uh, in addition to going out and, and checking out the leaves and leaf peeping, uh, can you tell us about some things that are happening uh, around the state? Sure. Let me give you a couple of examples. This weekend at Maplewood State Park, there's an event called Leaf Days that's taking place both Saturday and Sunday. It's an annual event when they promote promote visiting the park, hiking, and maybe getting a hot dog or a brat from one of the food stands. And I believe that the view from the top of Holloway Hill at Maplewood State Park is one of the absolute best places to see fall color. It's not a very high climb, a little steep in places, but once you get up there, you're overlooking sumac and maple trees. They're the ones that turn the real bright shades and a number of lakes. So it's a really beautiful view, very worthwhile going to Maplewood State Park every fall. And in southern Minnesota, um, around New Ulm, um, so Flandreau State Park is right there, and that's one of the areas seeing some of the most color in the state in that part of the part of Minnesota. Um, it's very likely that the color around that area of Flandreau State Park in New Ulm is going to be peaking right around the same time as that community holds its annual Oktoberfest. That'll be taking place October 7 and 8, and then the following weekend, October 14 and 15. So that's the home of Shell's Brewery. Of course, everybody probably is aware of that. It's the second oldest family-owned brewery in America. They have the biggest Oktoberfest in the state. So you could time your leaf peeping with an Oktoberfest there. All right, and kind of when we look across the state, this is also such a fun time for fall harvest, whether it be apple picking. Um, I know you talked a little bit about rainbow rainbow routes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, maybe you'd prefer to drive rather than hike or bike, and um, that's another way that you can get out and see some beautiful fall color along the scenic byways throughout the state. And, you know, speaking of trip ideas, that's also the perfect spot to go to perhaps plan a, a trip on a tank, so to speak. That's right. We started a new series this year, actually resurrected an old series that Explore Minnesota did last time gas prices went up. And at the beginning of the summer, when we saw what was happening with gas prices, we decided to put together a series of trip on a tankful ideas. And these are basically places you could go on one tank of gas, and you can start on either end of our itinerary, and it gives you ideas of things to see and do along the way and a place you could stay overnight. And so we invite you to explore the trip on a tankful ideas at exploreminnesota.com. That's Amy Barrett with Explore Minnesota. Minnesota Matters returns after this.
Welcome back to the dog show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the shelter pet group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch-snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, tail-wagging, backyard-hanging, and, of course, companionship. And what breed would you say Satchmo is? I'd have to go with maybe a lavish terrier hound chihuahua-looking kind of mix. Tremendous dog. Mm, I'd also like to point out Satchmo's coloring, a white, gray, brown, black brindle, simply marvelous. You know, it's such a treat to watch a dog like this. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. How intuitive. And now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, oh, the happy dance, so common with this group. And finally, the loving face lick. It's great how he just gets in there and, well, licks. Fantastic. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Last week, we heard about the new sports book available for Minnesota sports fans, chronicling the career of longtime writer Patrick Royce. Titled Tales from the Minnesota Sports Beat, A Lifetime on Deadline. Minneapolis Star Tribune columnist Chip Scoggins co-wrote the book with Royce. Now joins MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm for part two of a compelling interview talking about the book and how it came about. Scoggins also tells us about all of the great stories Royce was able to tell him for the book, including his favorite story. I worked with Sid for 20 years and his relationship with Patrick was complicated to say the, the least. Um, but I, one of my favorite ones was, and it, it served, and Patrick, I think for him to uh, shaped him in a, in a unique way that when Patrick was a teenager, I think he was 18, he was a copy boy and at the, at the, at the Tribune and, you know, basically a gopher, he, you know, answered phones and, and did, a, you know, that, that kind of work. And, uh, I think it was his first day or one day, some of his buddies from Prior Lake were going to have a beer bash out on a farm. So uh, it was a Sunday, and Patrick called in sick. He, he wasn't going to miss the beer bash with his buddies. And um, so about 5 o'clock, the farmer comes driving down the, you know, the, the path there to the, where they're having this kegger that was not supposed to be on the farm. Um, and he gets out, and he's like, is there a Patrick Royce here? And you know, sheepishly, Patrick raises his hand. He's like, yeah, I'm here. And he's like, you're supposed to call Sid Hartman. <laughs> he tracked him down. Patrick says, you learn two things from that. How Sid tracked him down at a beer bash in Prior Lake on a farm, he'll never, ever know. And don't ever call in, don't ever call him sick for work. And Patrick doesn't, I mean, anybody knows Patrick, he is a workhorse. He does not take days off. He doesn't, um, I don't think he's ever called in sick after that. So um, those, that event shaped him. Were there some events or, or sports that, that you found Patrick enjoyed uh, in terms of his favorites and, and particularly a beat? Yeah, baseball. I mean, he, he's a baseball guy. That's his first love. And um, I think the, the it was it four or five years um, or longer that he was the, the Twins beat writer, um, being around Gene Mock and some of those characters that um, – that he learned baseball from that that was like his favorite moment in his career as being a a baseball beat writer and he's still on the you know baseball writers um uh longevity he's one of the top five i think um it's just something that's it's it's always been his first love and and you know his actually his first love that people don't realize and if you read him you would be surprised is go for football yeah you know he's his his dad richard 
used to bring him to games at Memorial Stadium. He was kneeling in the end zone for, you know, a classic game when Bob McNamara returned to punt. And so his first love was go for football, but Patrick's always loved baseball. And I think that comes through in the book just how much that that sport means to him. And even to this day, when you see his coverage, whether it's through Twitter now, which is new, right? Who would have thought that would be a, a way that uh, I think he's even joked on occasion that might have prolonged his career because he can <laughs> he can be an agitator, which, you know, he enjoys that on occasion. But, um, you know, you think about uh, some of what you read from him. He's still so perceptive with baseball because he'll say something. I'll read it or I'll hear him say it. And then you wonder. And then three weeks later, he's dead on. Yeah, I mean, he, he knows the game and, and it's. I think back to this uh, this twin season when things were going great early in the season. Mm-hmm. He was on some of these pitchers. He's like, not going to work. It's not sustainable. I mean, and it, it, whether it was the movement, the, the, you know, location, whatever. He's like, this is it's you know fool's gold right now. This is not going to hold up. And so he 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 knows the game. He knows baseball. He knows uh, batting stances. You know the, the way guys hit the ball, pitching. He's just you could tell he's been around and he learned from Gene Mock, Tom Kelly, uh, Paul Mollett, these guys that uh, he listened, he learned the game and um, and he, he loves kind of the inside um, dynamic of, of breaking down a baseball game. You've worked with him now for 23 years. You've been his colleague. What's it been like as a co-worker and how much have you learned from him? You know, uh, Patrick has this gruffness about it, but I'll tell you he has the biggest heart. Like if, if you're in his circle – he will do anything for you. And some of the, my favorite conversations, you know, he'll call late at night or whatever just to laugh about something. And um, he's always gracious about uh, journalism. Like, if you do something great or something you feel like is a good story or column or whatever, he'll call you, he'll text you. Um, he just has a huge heart. And I know people see the gruff yeah. agitator sometime, but um, – He's the best. I mean, he is. He's just a, a wonderful person. Yeah, you talk to some others, and, you know, he'll uh, get them tickets to events or invite them over to his pool, you oh, know, yeah. or, or colleagues' kids to the pool and all that stuff. Yeah, he's always uh, the invite to come swim at the backyard um, or, hey, let's go get a, a meal or whatever. He's just – he loves journalism. I mean, I think that's why he's still doing it, and he, you know, he, he works so hard at it. He is passionate about it. He puts time in it, and even, at, you know – a lot of guys would be retired now. He still loves going to ball games. He still loves writing good columns, and he loves finding stories that no one else. He he doesn't care about covering the Vikings. He's been there, done that. But you tell him, hey, there's a great outstate story. He'll get in the car and drive three hours to go get it, and he'll tell it better than anybody else can tell it because he's such an unbelievable. It drives me crazy sometimes that he's that good at telling stories in his own way. I mean, it's just his storytelling. He's the master at it. I mean, there's no one better than him. Very good. Uh, when? How can people get the book? It's in uh, stores now. So not every store, but some stores. But online, um, Barnes and Noble, Minnesota Historical Society, Amazon, Target, Walmart, anywhere you uh, want to try to find books online, it's readily available. All right. I know fans will look forward to it. Thank you. All right. Thanks, your brother. That's Minnesota sports writer Chip Scoggins talking about the new book called Tales from the Minnesota Sports Beat, A Lifetime on Deadline, now on bookshelves everywhere. That is going to do it for us for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.